Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed. No sign up. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. Hi there. It's Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces. Creating peace in families is how I lost my voice. From the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. I wrote the book on divorce, or I wrote a book on divorce. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. That book became a bestseller because it presented another option for ending a marriage. One that doesn't necessarily include lawyers, and one that leaves more money in both parties' bank accounts and less animosity in their hearts. We created It's Over Easy, the one-stop breakup divorce resource online with the same principles in mind. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. This is the Sunny Side Up Report on the Divorce Sucks Podcast. Sunny Side Up Report is where Johnny and I go through all of the top headline stories from the news and online regarding divorces, breakups, weddings, and interrelationship issues. Yes. Today, we're going to cover four ways divorce could ruin your retirement. This is from Newsmax.com on April 18th. Your financial accounts may be considered marital property, which means that they may need to be split between you and your ex. When you're getting ready to uh, divorce, you got to think about your IRAs, pensions, Social Security, and something called a quadro which uh, I think is very interesting because most people don't even know what that stands for. A quadro is a qualified domestic relations order, and a quadro is the legal document which divides up a qualified pension or retirement account, including 401ks during your divorce. So my firm, for example, doesn't do them. We send them out. They shouldn't be super expensive. I now know that there are some people doing them online, but you're definitely going to need one of these if you are dividing a 401k or a retirement account that needs... Um, that kind of division. IRAs generally don't, but other ones do. So look into that. Um, things you need to think about that you're often not thinking about if you're going through a divorce because you're focusing some on some of the more um, obvious things like how bummed out you are. Well, here's some things that experts say you can do that in your marriage that will increase your chances of divorce. Oh, so get right on that. <laughs> this is by Carolyn Steber um, from Bustle, and it was uh, published this spring. She she talks about there are the many factors that can lead a couple to divorce. It's often the little problems that add up over time and drive a couple apart. Think along the lines of nitpicking, being passive aggressive, or even failing to listen. Do you know I had to read this paragraph to Michael this morning? Was was he not actively listening? He was a little passive aggressive. I see. Well, rolling your eyes and being too dependent on your devices are other ones. So um, they're not seemingly innocent as far as I'm concerned. Stop doing that shit, guys. (laughs) This was a very, very interesting um, article that I read. It's from USA Today, and it's by Joel Shannon, and it talks about when Michelle Obama uh, implied that Donald Trump is like a divorced dad. Many divorced dads and, and proponents of divorced dads came forward and said, 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. That comment was remarkably unwoke. I liked what Geraldo Rivera had to say, though. He called it a rare misstep because, you know, I'm a big fan of Michelle Obama's. I thought you were going to say you're a rare friend of Geraldo Rivera. We are. We are all big fans of Michelle Obama's. And it just was kind of she's she's reduced divorced fathers to a sexist stereotype with bad parent who gives candy and lets the kids watch too much TV because they have guilty consciences about the breakup of the marriage. Even that, Geraldo, is a little bit, you know, 80s in my opinion. But I get what you're trying to say, and I'm certain that she did not mean it that way. It is a stereotype that many of us grew up with, and so that's probably where it came from. Next article we've got is signs your relationship is not worth fighting for because sometimes it's best to love and let go. This is by Griffin Wynn, Elite Daily. Um, if you're not being supported emotionally by your boo, it may be time to call it quits and walk away. She goes on to say, it's important to understand that even in the best relationships, there are going to be hard times. She talked to a prominent couples therapist in Los Angeles named Dr. Gary Brown, who says issues around the distribution of power, expressions of love or the lack of it, money, sex, social priorities, dealing with friends and family, as well as job and career issues impact just about all couples, which is obvious, but... I like what you always say. There's a natural evolution of a relationship. And if it ends, people should look at it as a natural evolution. Agreed. This is an amazing expose. It is by a woman. Oh, God, I'm so sorry, Pooja. I'm going to just butcher your last name. It's Pooja Makhijani. That sounded I think. pretty good. Okay. It's from thecut.com from April. And it's called The Lipstick I Wore to My Divorce. And it kind of talks about her... I would say metamorphosis from a really divorced wife who realizes that the marriage is over to when she actually starts putting lipstick on again and starts to feel alive again. And I just I loved it so much. I thought it was so um, evocative. And I just I I, I suggest anybody that's going through this, read it. We're going to also put it on our blog. It's awesome. So. Um, kudos to you and to anybody that finds that one thread that can kind of get them into the next chapter. It's awesome. And finally, from page six, actually, by Jennifer Wright, why Mackenzie Bezos is a true hero for our age. And what this talks about is a marriage may go bad, but you can at least have a good divorce. Now, many of us will say, well, yeah, with the billions that Mackenzie got, of course, she's not going to be bitter. But as we've seen from other high profile, high net worth people, they can be super bitter. And so figuring and she says, turning your heartbreak into a profit grab has become one of the crasser examples of capitalist American culture. What Mackenzie has done. Um, has said that she's grateful to having finished the process of dissolving our my marriage with Jeff, with support from each other and everyone who reached out to us in kindness and looking forward to next phase as co-parents and friends. And she went on to say what the settlement was or some of the, you know, the big ticket items and said she's excited about my own plans, grateful for the past as I look forward to come to what comes next. The author of this article says she's something of an anomaly. While you would think that a few billion dollars could soften heartbreak, and it's estimated that Mackenzie walked away from the divorce with $36 billion, that's not always the case. So just her class, her poise, her forgivingness, and I'm quite certain her PR people who must have led her down what I see as the correct path. We talk about this a lot on the show. The trickle down from the people that many of us look to in in the news, high profile, high net worth, doing it right. I hope we can all take something away from this because I think it is a really good lesson. Don't trash your ex. Don't go public with things that are ugly. It's unnecessary. And um, 
Johnny has one more thing to read to us. Which is from our Instagram feed. Uh, it's very apropos with the message that you just delivered. It's a quote by Carl Bard. Although no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. That's the Sunny Side Up Report. Enjoy the show. Today's Divorce Sucks podcast is about helping children and adults learn how to deal with the challenging emotions we all face. In other words, how to make lemonade out of the lemons life may seem to shower down upon us. Whether it's your divorce or another traumatic event in yours and or your children's lives, being able to mindfully process the situation to ultimately find your way through it towards a solution is a very important step. The truth that divorce is the end of one part of a relationship cannot be disputed, and yes, it's sad. But your next chapter is yet unwritten, and since you're the author of your own story, you have the ability to change poison into medicine or make lemonade from lemons. Or insert your favorite proverbial phrase here, the bottom line is, I believe you can choose a can-do attitude in the face of adversity. By making conscious choice to look for the positive, you are more likely to find it. And to help us unlock some of this, I've invited today's guest to share her professional and spiritual perspective on these subjects. She's a co-parenting mindfulness coach and a licensed psychotherapist featured on Bravo and OWN. She's a frequent contributor to the It's Over Easy Insights blog and one of the esteemed professionals listed on the index on our site. She's also the creator of the Heart Surgery Kit, a unique creative mindfulness practice kit for children and adults. Elizabeth Winkler, M-A-L-M-F-T, welcome to Divorce Sucks, my friend. Thank you. It's so good to be here. So tell us a little bit about your therapy practice, which I know, and then I also want to really learn about your the heart surgery kit. When it first popped up on my email, I was like, what's wrong with Elizabeth's heart? <laughs> but I love this. Okay, but tell us about your practice a bit. Okay, so my practice has really evolved and changed. I really say that what I do is make lemonade out of lemons, which you know a lot about, right? Yes. <laughs> um, so I found that integrating mindfulness and meditation into my practice, I see families, I see individuals, I see groups of adults, children, the whole thing. And so whatever comes in my door, really trying to align with them and help them find their way out of the storm into their center of calm that's always at the center there, Yes, using lots of different strategies um, and finding what works best for that person or that child or that family. And that has been, um, tell us a little bit about the concentration power and things that you use to get them to where they need to be, to that middle, to that middle right. calm. So I've been doing this almost two decades, okay? And what I found in the last few years is using mindfulness or meditation, which increase your concentration power. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, our focus, our attention is everything. Wherever we put attention, where attention goes, energy flows. So if our attention is on our fearful mind, as you know, when people are calling you or you're meeting with them, they go into a huge Category 5 hurricane, right? And so if we can use meditation or mindfulness to strengthen our concentration power, which is what it does, then we can, we can be the employer of our awareness rather than the slave of the mind. So meditation and mindfulness help with concentration power. They also increase sensory clarity. What does that mean? Well, everything that Sensory clarity is your experience. You see me, you hear me, you feel me. And so the more that you are in touch with your sensory clarity of what's going on, your experience, the less overwhelm you can have. So it brings the overwhelming 
experience of life that often happens down. And then also equanimity is another component of mindfulness. What does equanimity mean? It means you allow things to come and go without resistance. You so, let it roll. Yeah. So like, okay, so it's we're working with attention, mm-hmm. which is where attention goes, energy flows. And we're also working with resistance. What we resist persists. So everything I'm working with, how someone's speaking to me or what they're presenting, there's always resistance when there's pain, suffering of of any kind. And we can give people more freedom and empower them when we can see the ways that they are are, um, contributing more resistance to the situation. There's going to be challenges in life. Divorce is a challenging situation for everyone, right? However, sometimes we exacerbate, or often we exacerbate it with mm-hmm. our mind or whatever it is. We catastrophize. And so we can start to wake up to the ways that we are contributing to that. Then we can come back to that more centered place and find more power and feel that we have more control of how we're navigating down this path. So I feel like a lot of this is... I guess I'm not going to articulate well, is on the person, like how we can do for ourselves. And I so often will say to clients, like, stop worrying so much about him or her and what's going on at that house and whatever. Think about you. How are you going to be the best parent you can be? How are you going to be the best, you know, I don't know, person for yourself? Focusing really on you starting there and not worrying about so much of the other, being mindful of what's coming in and why it's affecting you the way it is, but really focusing on you. Tell me the difference or the distinction between mindfulness and meditation, because I've never been a good meditation person, but I feel like if I'm on a really good run or I'm experiencing a moment where I'm with my kids on the beach, I can be very mindful and present. The whole meditation thing, I suck at, frankly. It's fine. Is that okay? Totally okay. fine. Are you we kidding? We can still hang out. <laughs> no, I'm all about finding what works for you. And running is a meditation. It's meditative. If you're being present, what is mindfulness? So we just went over those three components. Mm-hmm. Those are the three components of mindfulness, what they increase. But mindfulness is being present, bringing our focus and attention to what's happening now without resistance. Is when, The more you practice meditation and mindfulness, the easier that becomes. Um, so there's mindfulness meditation too, which is open-eyed. Um, it can be closed-eyed as well, but I'm always about meeting someone where they are. So you're saying you don't like closed-eyed meditation. Fine. Your meditation could be brushing your teeth. Hopefully, we all do that twice a day. You could just be really present with that experience. Right. That could be your meditation. Okay. People do traffic meditation. I There's something called sea flow. I don't you think can... I could do traffic meditation. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, no, it's like, actually no, it's um, road rage. <laughs> it's amazing. It can completely change your experience where everything that's moving. So right. I was talking about what you see, hear, and feel, right? So traffic, you see a lot of movement, right? Or not. Or not. That's or not. the problem. Right. Okay. So that could be sound. So, okay. but th- when there's movement, that's see flow or sound hear flow or feel flow could be your irritation, your road rage you right. feel in your body. Right. And then people come into my office. I'm not kidding. I have so many people that come in and their experience of traffic has completely transmuted from using that. Really? So we okay. can, any of our lemons, so to speak, to go back to that, we can make lemonade out of them. Why wouldn't we? We're here for a short period of time. Don't we want to make the most of it? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So refocusing. And so when you work with a family, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can imagine one-on-one is likely easier than more people. Well, I love one-on-one. I love groups and I work with a lot of couples. Okay. Yeah. So when you're with a couple mm-hmm. and they're in the midst of a divorce, but they're trying to really figure out how to be able to be more present, more mindful, communicate with each other better. What are some of the tips that you will give them? 
in terms of, you know, transparent communication, I guess I'll call it? Yes. I mean, really, communication is ideal. Also, focusing on the kids, which you and I are in complete alignment on, you know, focusing on the bridge between the two parents mm-hmm. because the, the children are going to run across that bridge or they're going to also maybe not run across right. if it's like Indiana Jones rickety bridge, which <laughs> right. is always my metaphor. Right. So being mindful that whenever challenged, if you can focus on the well-being of those children, and sometimes the mom or the father is having a very hard time with the other right. you know, parent. So I, I always say when you are most challenged, just think about those kids. That is a place you can meet. Right. So that to me is the magic, magic, magic for divorce. Also focusing on the strengths of the other parent rather than the weaknesses. Now we all know that there were weaknesses because you broke up. Right. 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 But if you can let that be in the past and untether from that so that you can be happy you know, because aren't we doing this so that we can be happy? Yes. And then focus on what they're good at. It's a great dad or she's a great mom or whatever it is that you can find. And when we focus on those things, they grow. Now, what happens? You and I wrote an article together called How to Divorce a, uh, a, an Emotional Vampire. Yeah. What happens when one of the other person's just not meeting you in the middle or at all? What happens when you want to really do some therapy with both of them and one person just won't come? He or she is just acting like a total douche. How do you help your client in that moment to be able to, again, really focus on themselves, be the best them that they can be. But when it has kids that are being affected by this and the the other parent, this emotional vampire is, well, first, because I'm sure not everyone's read it, but that is a really good picture of us. Um, thank you, Johnny. <laughs> tell Tell our listeners what an emotional vampire is. Okay, well, I think you and I both agreed that we didn't really align with that because you and I are in agreement, which I love, that labeling someone in that way is only going to tether you to that, right? And then they can't change. Right. So I'm not really into those sorts of labels because it doesn't allow change and shifting to happen in the relationship. And by the way, just let me insert this. I have so many people that come to me and they have not even, not only labeled but they've diagnosed their partner or their ex with something. Oh, well, you know this person's a narcissist. I read all about it, so I know they're a narcissist. Or this person's bipolar, or this person's a psychopath. And first of all, even if they were, if they had a real diagnosis, doesn't really affect what we're talking about. What matters is how we're going to deal with you. But but to be able to come in and with those diagnoses or labels, very, very dangerous, correct? Absolutely. And also, if someone were saying that to me, even as you're talking about it, it's like, if you're sitting there trashing your ex, how does that feel in your body right now? Right. Like, that's what I'd say. How does it feel to be talking about him in that way right now? It feels terrible. Right. We're trashing our own bodies, our own brain, our own heart. And we're picking up on that. We're creating that energy field, our family and everything. But people don't often, it's just an unconscious pattern that we often fall into as human beings. Right. And so being able to point them back to, again, the power that they have to talk about it differently so that they can have a different experience post-divorce, post-separation, which you have so much control over. And I think that people lose sight of how much control they do have Yes, you don't have control over his behavior or her behavior. However, how you relate to it and not being so reactive as maybe the other person may be, that you can go beyond what you once had and create. It's actually quite amazing when one person shifts. And I have so many examples of this. I see I have a lot of women's groups and the women will all be like, I wish that my husband would come to this group. 
you know, and that just doesn't happen. Or he would read the books or, or read the articles, but he doesn't. And I said, you know what? It only takes one person to shift. Right. And the one person shifts. And then these women will come in and they're like, he's all of a sudden using this language. He's doing this. He's, you know, meditating or he's using the word noticing, which is like the word. Um, the word noticing is the word? Yes. Yeah, so Tell no- us why that's the word. Well, I love the word noticing because if we're in noticing, we're in awareness. So noticing is the language of awareness. And I'm trying to get everyone out of their mind. The mind is all fear, fear, right. fear, right? And so you're going to be in complete battle, like two lawyers, you know? Right. So if we can be in, what am I noticing? Asking myself, what am I noticing? That might bring you down into the body. Like, okay, I have road rage. What am I noticing? Where do I notice that in my body? And that will calm because awareness calms and awareness clears. Mm-hmm. Presence is the only thing that clears. Our culture is set up to believe that we need to analyze in the mind and fix it through the mind. But that actually just keeps the heart um, trapped. It doesn't clear the heart. Does that make sense? Yes. So if you just play with what am I noticing or speaking from a place of noticing, it will keep you more grounded and in more of a state of presence and mindful. What's mindful untethering? Okay. I like this. This is like a new one because we've got conscious uncoupling. And what was the Jennifer Aniston one? Um, Gentle separating. Okay. Mindful untethering. Tell us. (laughs) Mindful and tethering was something that I came up with through my own divorce, actually, six years ago, and um, has five tenets, but it's essentially a path very aligned with all these other ones you mentioned, I'm sure, um, of how to really evolve through divorce. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we break up for so many different reasons, but like the first tenet sets the stage. Do you want to be happy? I would think that most people would say yes. Generally, that's going to be a yes, right? Yeah. So then that sets up, that's the foundation that we're setting up because every, you get challenged later into, I want to diagnose him. I want to call him this or right, that. Right. But do you want to be happy? Because continuing that dialogue is not going to bring you, bring you happiness, right? Right. Right. So the first tenet is the path of happiness is inside. So realizing that not leaving your husband or your wife is not going to necessarily be the reason you're happy, that it's an inside, an internal divorce, a mindful untethering. If you don't do the inside divorce or the the inner divorce, rather, mm-hmm. um, you're going to be married to them forever. And it's so funny. Somebody, This was a guy that was an older man was just saying to me the other day, you really do need to, uh, you know, he was from a different school of thought, but he said, I understand what you're saying about this because I know so many people that have been divorced for like 20 years, but they're still married married in their head. They're still mad. They're still bitching about the same things. They got divorced on paper, but they never got divorced in their head. And I think the changing the face of divorce, we really need to remind people that's a big part of this. If you're going to be able to move on, you have to mindful and mindfully untether and really yeah. do it in, in, in yourself. Okay. So that's one. The path of happiness is inside. And I would say that you have to get out of your head and into your heart. Okay. Because on paper is very, you know, head, fine. And that's a necessary part, right? Um, but also to be able to drop down into your heart and to be present with the pain that's there. And that's something that we all have to walk through or not. If we don't, then we will still react from that space and have, 
you know, recycle another relationship that's similar. People that don't do the work, they end up in the same sort of mm-hmm. situations over and over again. Okay. So um, the second tenant is enlightened parents, enlightened children. I mentioned this a little bit earlier. It's all about that bridge. Right. And I have seen, as I imagine you have too, people that are at war. And when you can refocus them on the kids, because that is where everyone can meet. Right then we can build that bridge and make better choices and get less out of, less about me and what I want and more about the we. And what about if what they are fighting about is the kids? Not necessarily custodial time, but decision-making, medical stuff. I have a case going on right now where the parents are so at odds about how the mom, who has the majority of custodial time because they live in different states, handles her teenage kids, whether she sends them to school, if they don't feel well, if they're having an issue, whatever. And that just makes the dad crazy. And everything trickles down from that in terms of grades, screen time, all that stuff. How do we get them on the same page or at least get them to respect each other's decisions in their own homes? It's a great question, and it's going to be different for everyone. I mean, I think they're, if they can get into some kind of therapy dialogue where they're not only dealing with lawyers, right. because what I find, and we make know, it for, worse. Forgive me. <laughs> no, I agree. I is agree. When I, when I have a client, a lot of my clients will come to me after they've seen their lawyer um, because, or before, but typically after, because they have so much fear activated mm-hmm. in them from meeting with their lawyer. Right. And so often it's like, they they're like, I'm noticing that I really don't like paying Laura Wasser all that money per hour. <laughs> no, it's not even that. You're doing your job, but also under, so I try to help them understand what a lawyer's job is mm-hmm. and also that it's really important to align with what's right for you right and finding that path and i think that you're great at doing that um so dialogue is everything communication is everything and also giving the children a voice mm-hmm. in this i mean i'm a huge advocate for kids as i think you know and being able to hear what they need and um, how is so important. important is their voice when making decisions about custody stuff I mean, do well, you think? I mean, is it do they is, do they have a preference or do they have a decision? The children. Mm-hmm. It, I think that depends on age. Okay, for sure. Young kids. I think that they can't make those kinds of decisions, right? You know, but as they get older and teens, I see more and more teens making more decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can happen over time, right. where the you know you got a divorce when they were little, and right. then the. the teens have a different perspective as they get older and allowing them as hard as that can be for parents, but allowing children to have a little more authority, I think is a great thing. I'm inclined to agree, although I have an almost 14 year old and I probably will regret having said that. (laughs) He doesn't listen, so it's okay. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. If you like my show, you're going to love Now What with Jessica Graff on Podcast One. And right now, the former winner of The Amazing Race is getting all the details of this season by calling up players that get eliminated each week for some juicy mini interviews. Download new episodes of Now What with Jessica Graff every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. 
You're listening to the Divorce Sucks Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Wasser, the attorney and CEO who created It's Over Easy, which is a lifestyle hub online where not only can you navigate your own divorce for a fraction of the cost of a traditional dissolution, you'll also find an entire community of like-minded people who are dedicated to breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on to the next chapter amicably and with as much grace and poise as possible during, let's face it, what can be one of the most intense times of a person's life. Our guest today is a licensed psychotherapist who incorporates mindfulness and meditation in her work with individuals, couples, and families. She is fantastic, and she is a breath of fresh positivity. Her name is Elizabeth Winkler, and we're speaking today about the ways in which we can find the power within ourselves to survive and even thrive in the face of adversity. All right, 10 at 3. 10 at 3, who's at the wheel? This is the most important. This is really where the work comes in. Who's at the wheel? So the loudest voice, in, if you think of yourself like a car, mm-hmm. the loudest voice in the car is fear, which right. is in your mind. The quietest, your intuition's pretty silent like this. And so we tend to be run by fear, especially in a challenging situation. So first understanding that. And that's where the mindfulness stuff and the meditation really helps because you can start to become more awake and aware to that. And so if you were to get in a car accident, would you want your fear to be running that, you know, getting out and dealing with the situation? No, That's just going to make it, it worse. It is a lot of the time, right? right? I mean, you're out and you're shaking and you're, you know. Yeah, but like if you're furious, is that going to make the situation right. better? No. no, you're blind. And so when you can work with settling, so my snow globe right there, yes. it says pause, notice, settle. So when your snow globe is going off, Okay, mm-hmm. I call it your snow globe going off. That means your mind is chattering or your heart is going off or probably both. Because if your mind is going crazy, right. your heart is typically where it all starts. Yes. Okay, So you can't see clearly when that's happening. Right. So if you can take a noticing break, right? okay, here's that word again, <laughs> yes. pause, notice, settle, then you can be moving from that more clear, awake aware space. And for our listeners, these are like probably the size of a deck of cards, the little ones. They're, they're gorgeous. They And they are snow globes, but they're square. They're not globes. They're snow squares, I guess. And there's not snow in them. It's really pretty glitter, whether it's fluorescent pink or gold. And you know how I like shiny things. I'm just kind of like looking at them. And then behind, <laughs> in the back, there's a card that slides up. And Elizabeth has changed cards. So you can change the, the mantra for the day. But this one says, pause, notice, settle. And it's cool because as it's settling, you can see all this glitter settling below settling. It's very wonderful. Yeah. And it's an active mindfulness practice that actually really works. And so if you, I invite you to, um, when you go into the car and your road rage starts, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> actually that wouldn't be the best because it's harder to, you can't close your eyes right. when you're in the car. But oh, believe anytime- me, pl- Elizabeth, there is no lack of situations where I can close my eyes and I'm still just as, it doesn't have to be the car. Right. It can be pretty much any time Johnny and I are in here yeah. many, many, I had nine hours of testimony yesterday. It would have been very helpful. Okay. During, so yes. So close your eyes, pause, mo- notice, so, settle. Yes. And I teach this to children. At the age of five. I mean, this is a practice that someone from the age of five to 100 could use. So, what is when you notice it's easier if your eyes are closed because you can bring your attention into the body, body or wherever the activation is happening? Think of it like this if you have a match, you light a match, 
And if you're aware of the match, you can blow it out. That's right. easy, right? But if you're not, you drop it in this room. The room catches on fire. Then the whole building catches on fire. Then right. all of Beverly Hills. Then we need a lot more people to help us put this fire out. Right. Or so, or you don't drop it because you're one of those people that's a little bit self, and you hang on to it, and you burn your hand. Right. So I like the analogies. Yes. Yeah. So so what are we doing? The, the sooner we can get to the activation, which is right. the flame or right. the fire – the easier it's going to be to put it out. Right. So starting to be more aware that every emotion or activation is is happening in your body. Most people don't even know that. People right. don't know that emotion is a sensation in your body. Right. We get really in our head about it. So a lot of this is education. Yes, you which know? we, Johnny and I always say, that's like that's why we have the blogs and stuff like that. We want you guys to go on and read about this and educate yourselves. Okay, okay. tell us four. Four. I mentioned this earlier. This really helps people um, remembering what works between us as a couple or what worked with us. Right. Um, the strengths of the um, co-parent. If we can focus on that when I'm doing therapy with, with people, really, you know, they can come in at war and then finding, okay, well, what does he do well or what right. does she do well and building that and focusing more on that. So if there was like cheating, for, for right. example, you can look at the dis- – <laughs> And he was really good at it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, no? Okay, no. All right. <laughs> no, but I mean you can – that's very hard for a lot of people and, right. I, and I understand that. But when you're not living together, you can have the distance of that right. and you're not – facing with it, you know, every day. And you can look at, find other things to focus on because where you put your attention, right. it will grow. And we just were on the phone with a young man who is like very new to separation. And he said so wisely, like, I look at my ex and, you know, we have kids together and, you know, there was something that I loved about her. I've known her for, and we were married for a long time. And like, focus on that, guys. Don't focus on the bad. Focus on the good. That will help. That's what Elizabeth is saying. Not only helps you just in your daily life, but if you're having conversations with that person, particularly about co-parenting, focus on what was good and what is good. Yeah, absolutely. And then celebrating your unique evolution. I like so that. So this is what you're all about, and I'm right there Cele- with Celebrating myself and my <laughs> unique evolution. <laughs> I mean, with everything you're doing, I mean, I'm so grateful for what you're doing. Um, it's it's really about, again, if you're going, you're going to get all this, when you decide to separate or divorce, everyone tells you what to do, your friends, your family, the lawyer, maybe even your therapist. Mm-hmm. You need to find your own path. And maybe that's a path that's never, ever been made before. And I encourage you to find something that works. And people, knowing from my own experience, they're like, what are you doing traveling with your ex? What are you doing? You know, what's going on? People can't understand it. And for me, it was working and it still works and it's just grown. And so being able to really support that on the planet right now, I think is so important. I see more and more of it. More people are coming into my office that want that and that are already doing it. And but it's not popular. Right. And there's this, um, I guess you would say, just conditioning on the planet or in the United States especially that, you know, divorce is bad and that that means that you have to hate your ex and all of that sort of thing. And I just don't think that that has to be the situation. That doesn't create any evolution. That doesn't create happiness for anyone. And so 
Totally agree. That's why we're trying to change the face of yes, this divorce. Exactly. Um, those of you listening, if you, if you like what you're hearing, please do go on to the It's Over Easy um, Insights blog because t- this week our featured article is Changing the Face of Divorce by Elizabeth Winkler. We talk all the time about the evolution of dissolution, about how we want to change the way people approach this, not just for our kids, but for ourselves too, and why it makes so much more sense in a positive way. Other cultures, I think, are are a little bit quicker to it than we are. Um, in a lot of them, I think it has more to do with religion than it does anything else. But absolutely, if this is happening, we have ways of, of approaching it that are healthier and more positive. And so definitely check that article out. Um, let's talk for a minute about some of the group therapy um, that you work on that incorporates some of the mindfulness that we're speaking about today. I run several groups. Um, I I would love to do start a group with kids, which I'm thinking about with heart surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not current go- currently going, but there's a lot of interest in that. I do go out into people's homes. I'm doing like a Girl Scout mindfulness thing this week with you know 20 children. Um, I work with a lot of moms um, as well who are divorcing or divorced. I also do groups that are based in texts. So there's a book called The Untethered Soul, which yes. is my favorite yes. book. And I start all of my groups with that. I have a group that's been together for three and a half years. They started with that book, and we've moved through several other books, Eckhart Tolle and New World. So it's a a mindfulness book club, kind of. It is. It's basically consciousness. It's all about waking up and evolving and being, you know, in your – that calm in the center of your storm that's always available, but learning ways that you can access that at any moment. And so I like to choose different authors who are all pointing to that in different ways because everyone's going to speak to you in a different way. Right. So you really can deepen and under, in your understanding of that. And so those groups are, I love them. I've been doing them for a long time. Tell us, Elizabeth, about making lemonade from lemons and the heart surgery kit. Okay. So you see, I brought my lemons. I know. <laughs> when people come to my office, I have these all over because I do workshops on making lemonade out of lemons. Right. I mean, I I do meditation with people. So you'll, if you came in and you had, you know, a panic attack, I don't want you to be having a panic attack. But in a sense, I can say that's not a bad thing because right. I can use your activated energy, your snow globe, right? right? We can use that activated energy and transmute it through presence, through our awareness. And that's how we make lemonade literally in the body, right. okay? And um, Heart Surgery Kit yes. is a company that is now launched. I created the process in bed. My son was crying in bed a few years ago. And um, I just made up this mindfulness process that night. And he was like, Mommy, this really worked. Can we do this every night? And I said, yeah, we can do it every night. And then I told my meditation teacher, and she's like, this is actually amazing. You need to be teaching this. And I was already teaching at that point. And then so with a lot of, you know, um, her persuasion, I started to teach it. So I started at the age of five, been teaching for a couple years Mm -hmm. and started getting all these reflections back from children saying, you know, my dog died and I did heart surgery and it worked or my parents were fighting and I did heart surgery and it worked. And they come up to me and I'm like, wow, this is really working. Mm -hmm. So after a while, a little over a year ago, I said, I want to go global with this because it actually works and I want to give it away. And so um, I trademarked it as a process. And then I was asked to go to Sierra Leone, Africa. Yes. yes, Um, I love this. Okay. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I was 
asked to go, which was a dream come true. Um, and I was working with a group of children who um, they lost their families to Ebola. So the Ebola outbreak happened many, uh, not that long ago, actually. Right. So there's a whole group of, they're called the 63 Brave, mm-hmm. and they're an amazing group of children. What are their, what's their ages, the span? Um, they probably like six to twenties. Okay. Yeah. Early twenties. So that's 63 Brave. And then also I was working with a school called Muddy Lotus School. Mm-hmm. And that, so this whole area was devastated by the war as well as Ebola. Mm-hmm. And the devastation there is very hard to try to express. So there's a lot of trauma. And so I was fortunate enough to go there. I was there for a couple of weeks and I was teaching all the mindfulness that I teach here in Los Angeles from mantra to heart surgery. And I created the kit, which I have here. Yes. And I, because I didn't want to fly to West Africa and teach and then be like, see you later. Right. You know, I wanted it to be something that they could sustain. Right. And so the kit is now something available that anyone can buy um, and do without ever having met me. But Africa kind of helped me create that because right. I wanted to give that to them. So I flew over there with – and also we had all these boxes of, of kits and um, gave that to the children there. And what what's in the kit? So the kit has a guidebook, which mm-hmm. allows it to be its own entity. It's an eight-step process mm-hmm. that teaches children how to be present with emotion and how to free their heart of emotion. Being a therapist for as long as I've been, I remember being in my office one day. I was seeing an older woman who was close to 70. And I'm like, you know, she's still dealing with the pain of her history. And I'm like, why are we not teaching this to children at five? How to be present with the heart, how the mind limits us. And it just really pushed me into bringing this you know, in early. And so the intention is that if we can teach children at the age of five how to handle their heart, which is the mantra, I can handle my heart, then we can have a different planet is my hope. I love that. Now, the purchase of one kit buys one meal for a child in the community where you worked, yes? Yes. So when I was there, I was teaching all day and um, there was a really powerful event that happened. I was sitting outside at lunch and um, I saw this little girl, Baby T, who's changed my life forever. She walked up and she was eating plastic. And I had seen other children eating plastic. Plastic? Yes. Now, these children, I can show you pictures. They are full of joy. Yeah, no, I and, see them. Yeah. yeah. And they, this is their life. But they they didn't have food. I mean, there's not a lot of resources, et cetera. And so from that moment forward, I, something started in me, a whole other thing birthed in me, which was ending hunger, right. helping end hunger. And so that's a huge part of Heart Surgery Kit, which we are – this is just the beginning. We're finding ways that we can partner. Well, we're partnered with Shine on Sierra Leone, which is the company or the nonprofit mm-hmm. that yes. that I was working with. But also finding other ways to be able to serve all over the world, including here, you know, locally. So that's the intention. And yeah. Okay. Tell us where we can find the kits. Can we go online and get them? Yes. Heartsurgerykit.com. Okay. And also um, my my website can always link you there, elizabethwinkler.com. Okay. We have an Instagram too, Heart Surgery Kit. Cool. All right. These are the divorce sex interrogatories where we ask our guests oh. questions about music, movies, and relationship advice. Okay. So, And you can hear all these songs, guys, that our, our guests come up with by following your divorce sex breakup song playlist on Spotify. Tap the link in our bio on Instagram at It's Over Easy and listen after this podcast. Now, Elizabeth, 
Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. We know divorce inspired your mindfulness practice, but tell us what's your current relationship status? I am dating. Okay. Which, if any, dating apps do you use? I'm not on any anymore. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I don't. Ha- you had used them though. I definitely had used them. Which ones did you use? I'm, this is fascinating to me. Sidebar, but I just am always interested to hear. I used Bumble. I actually had two relationships from Bumble. Okay. And then I used the League. Okay. What's yeah. that? The League is linked to LinkedIn. Okay. You can do it through LinkedIn or Facebook, but I wanted to try LinkedIn because it was more like professionals. Okay. And that worked for me. Okay. <laughs> and just now taking a break. Well, Not I'm from date- dating. I'm from the, oh, but you're dating somebody yes. or somebody. Yes. So you don't need, a, yeah. you're stable. So yes, to speak. I'm okay. done. Good. I'm Good. done. All right. Favorite breakup song? <laughs> oh, um, Pictures of You, The Cure. Yes. Nice. <laughs> nice. I love a good 80s reference. 90s, yeah. maybe 80, late, late 80s. Early 90s. <laughs> what would you say to cheer up somebody, a friend, not a client, going through a breakup? Well, this happens a lot. I would say come over. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some girlfriends go through some challenges in the last few years, and myself included. I think your community of friends is everything. I agree. And that they can hold you up when you forget how to hold yourself up. Mm-hmm. So come over and let's do what we need to do. You know, I like it. Yeah. And what rom com could you watch on repeat? Okay, well I have one. People make fun of me for it. <laughs> okay, we won't. No judgment. <laughs> no, no, no. Because how much I've watched it, it's complicated, which is all about divorce. Love. I love it. Yes. I love, love, love that, that scene. Somebody else has said this too, but that scene where he's in the bat, she's in the bathtub, and he's sitting on the side of the bathtub, and she and and they're smoking a joint, and she calls him big guy for like the yeah. second time, and he's like, "What's this with the big guy? Where did that? I just that, they're so good in that I know. movie. I oh. love that movie. So good." Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here today on Divorce Sucks. Thank you. I love being with you always. And um, if anyone wants to connect with me, I have two Instagrams, eWinkler Therapy and Heart Surgery Kit on Instagram. And also, if you want to order the snow globes with the mantra teachings or the Heart Surgery Mindfulness Kit, that's available at heartsurgerykit.com. If you're interested in reading or or listening to me or any of that information, you can go to elizabethwinkler.com. And come to It's Over Easy because we always will have good articles by Elizabeth. I'm divorce I'm divorce lawyer. <laughs> I'm Laura Wasser, the divorce attorney, and I've got good news for you. Divorce, while never a happy episode, can today be a better process resulting in a better outcome than at any time in history. It's my job to know these things, and with your help, we are changing the face of divorce, one breakup at a time. Tap subscribe on your podcast app to be the first to know when we drop the next episode of Divorce Sucks. And now that you've heard what we've had to say, please rate us with five stars and let us know what you want to hear more of during the next Divorce Sucks. Thanks for listening and thank you again for being here, Elizabeth. Thank you.